Welcome to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gross, Ironman champion, PhD in women's history, and founder and CEO of Feisty Media. I started this show because I wanted to cut through the BS of diet culture and fitness culture and actually learn from high achieving women at the top of their game who have figured out how to feel and perform their best at every stage of life. So I chat with experts, elite athletes, and leaders who have learned to succeed despite the massive gender data gap in exercise and medical science and product development. Every episode is filled with information, advice, and anecdotes that will help you fulfill your potential as an athlete, mom, leader, or business owner. And listen up. If you don't subscribe to our women's performance newsletter, you are definitely missing out. It's totally free. So head over to womensperformance.com and subscribe now. That's womensperformance.com. This podcast is a production of Feisty Media. Hey, Feisties. As many of you know, myself and two of my feisty colleagues attended the Female Athlete Conference in Boston a couple weeks ago. Feisty was even a sponsor for the event. It really was the epicenter of women's performance, at least from the point of view of academia and the research. And so I wanted to record a debrief episode for you all to tell you everything we learned, everything we loved, and everything we wished had been at the conference. Joining me today is Celine Yeager, who is the host of the popular feisty podcast, Hit Play, Not Pause, and a well-known writer, but I also want to tell you that she is a total science geek. So sometimes on our feisty community calls or course expert sessions, Celine just sits in the wings and drops related studies to the things people are chatting about into the chat box. And as if she just kind of like has them all stored somewhere in the corner of her brain. It's, It's very impressive. Honestly, she has a broad range of scientific knowledge or a broader range of scientific knowledge than most academics. We also have Kelly O'Mara, who I'm secretly slash not so secretly pulling back into the feisty media ecosystem, but who also has her own publication called Triathlon-ish and used to be the editor-in-chief of Triathlete Magazine, as well as doing a whole bunch of other sports reporting and other important things in, in her life before that. The three of us talk fast and furiously about all things science and female athletes. Before we get started, I want to make one editorial correction ahead of time. When we talk about Mary Kane's undiagnosed injury later in the show, we said she had exertional compartment syndrome, but actually she was eventually diagnosed with DVT and artery entrapment syndrome, which... As you can probably tell, all just sounds like words to me, but for those of you who know what those words mean, the difference is important and accuracy is also important to us here at Feisty. Anyhow, I hope you all enjoy this conversation with two of my faves. Hello, Feisties. I am so excited about today's episode. I'm sitting here looking at the screen, at my Zoom screen, and I have Celine Yeager from Hit Play Not Pause and Kelly O'Mara from Triathlonish with me today. And we were last week in Boston at the Female Athlete Conference. And I know I'd heard from a few people on Instagram who wanted to know more. I know lots of people are super interested in the types of topics that come up around women's physiology and health and sport. So we are here to do a little debrief, uh, tell you all about what we learned, uh, what we were what we were happy to hear from the conference, some of the things we thought were missing. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Celine. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's about it <laughs> and so concludes my intro and here we are <laughs> um so let's start with what we're going to do some of the things that we um that, some of the big topics that came out of the conference um and I think one of the big ones and we heard you know that a lot of 
athletes and elite athletes are super interested in the interplay between the menstrual cycle and training. That's a hot topic right now. Hashtag cycle syncing. Um, Celine, what were some of the things that were talked about at the conference regarding menstrual cycle and exercise? Well, this was so interesting to me because, you know, back in 2016, I had that little book called Roar come out, you know, the little book. This started writing it 10 years ago and people are like, Hey, the menstrual cycle. Sorry. I should just, <laughs> I should have said that first because like literally like that book, like Roar that you wrote with Stacey, like you two were like the pioneers of like getting this information about the menstrual cycle and training out to the world. So I, I just feel like that has to be said because you were like, if not the first, definitely one of the first people to be talking about it. Yeah. And it was interesting because they started by saying like, we have, we have always looked at the menstrual cycle and its effect on quote unquote women's performance or how they feel. Right. Um, but we, but, but we haven't, they, they're now flipping it around to like, how does, uh, how can you train with it? How does how you're training affect the menstrual cycle? You know, it's more of a feedback loop for women to be able to uh, harness it is a terrible word, but you know what I mean? Like work with mm-hmm. their menstrual cycle instead of worrying about, like, it was always like, oh, if you exercise too much, you're going to lose it, you know? And mm-hmm. there was always this, this conversation around that as opposed to like, well, what's really going on and you know, what is happening in the menstrual cycle? And so many women have no idea what's happening in the menstrual cycle. Like hell, before I wrote that book with Stacy, I didn't, I didn't know the finer points of like, what progesterone and estrogen were doing in the fluctuations of all of I, who knew like nobody. So, you know, I thought that was really interesting. And I thought it was also interesting that time and time again, you know, they put up these slides, like 60% of sports women say that their menstrual cycle affects their performance. I've seen that in ESPN like decades ago, and they're trying to tease that out and they're not finding neat answers necessarily but what's kind of worries me as it is because I think what they're doing, there was sort of this pushback against cycle syncing, right? Against this this narrative on TikTok, which they kept saying in a derogatory way. Well, the TikTok say, <laughs> you know, um, they're sort of pushing back against that very simplistic. And sometimes it is super oversimplified, the cycle syncing with the menstrual cycle, right? Um, almost to the point of like... Well, there might not be an effect. It's just different for different women. And we still need to understand that. And we still need to understand so like women can understand how or if it impacts them and what they can do with it. So we're really interesting inflection points, I feel like, with all of this. Were you in, so at the conference, there were like a number of different presentations every afternoon, right? And you couldn't always yep. tell what one was going to be based on the the title. So I don't know, were you at the one where uh, the woman presented the data on um, endurance effect on endurance training, menstrual cycle effect on endurance training? No. Was it the Norwegian? Yeah. The Norwegian one. Yes. Yeah. So she had this date, she had like measured some X number of Norwegian athletes in each like three times throughout the, the month at certain cycles and over, over multiple cycles and had done these different tests, uh, VO2 max, a power test and then lactate, I can't remember probably, lactate yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um and then th- but then she put this the slide up and you can tell she was so frustrated right she spent like seven a year on this or whatever puts the slides up and the data points are like all random like she's like and I and they did all these kinds of like she like did all the all the science math analysis and was like I can't figure out any pattern and it would literally be like one athlete would have an effect one month but then it would be a different effect the next like they couldn't even repeat effects like month to month and she basically was like, I I give up, right? Like she was like so frustrated. And it's like, I think obviously at some point down the line, we're going to figure out what the difference is between the people who have one effect, right? There's obviously some kind, like you just don't, I don't know what the difference is, but there's obviously probably some something that like differentiates people with in one group from people in another group. And you don't know what it is yet um, or a different way to look at the data, but it was funny. And you never know in those kind of studies, which is something that I say all the time, especially when we're talking to a broader population, that when you're talking about elite elite athletes, they have may already selected out for women who have, which is like 40% of women who have very severe menstrual cycle um, effects, you know, who have strong PMS or that kind of thing. Like you don't know, like if they're already out of that population, you know, like it's, it's, it's when you're looking at elite athletes, it's hard to know what you're selecting. 
So it, it it's it, the, this kind of, di- the, you know, having sort of trying to bridge these worlds between like this kind of scientific research and like everyday people, there's always this chasm, you know, that of translating that data because it doesn't always translate neatly. But I, I do think that if women are telling you something, believe them. We tell them, we say that all the time, right? We say it all the time. If women are saying something, believe them. And if you have the vast majority of the women saying I do feel effects with my menstrual cycle. They, you know, and and it makes sense that they would. I mean, we do know that plasma volume shifts, and I mean, there's stuff that's known. Um, And whether or not that that ultimately affects performance when you have adrenaline and cortisol and everything else flooding your system to do these tests, to do VO2 max tests, to do this kind of stuff when you're in a laboratory. But it's you know we're we're talking about training and also performance. Those are two separate things. There's a lot. There's a lot to tease out here. That's what actually always frustrated me. Uh, I know uh, Sarah's like, oh yeah, Sarah, we were talking about um, you and Marinda Carfrey were on some podcast, whatever. And you guys had the exact same answer that what you would have done differently was like, give yourself more of a break the two days before your cycle and then yeah. like push harder at, uh, earlier. Um, so I know like a lot of people come to that same conclusion. We're all just like, but then I never, I never never have any it doesn't help me. and that's okay I mean, like, <laughs> that's there are like there's a spectrum of people and you know who knows what what that is about but um even if you would say like whatever percentage of people have this that doesn't mean that 100 percent do it never does right yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, if you look, if you look at how many different factors come into this, like that's why it's going to take a while for the science to play out. Right. Because you have some people who have adverse effects around ovulation or right be- before their period or during menstruation. Right. And then you have people doing different sports. So it might affect your ability to do skills differently than your strength, differently to your aerobic capacity and whatever else. So might like be difference when it's hot versus when it's cold. I mean, there's so <laughs> many, seriously, there's so much to it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So what do we like, what do we leave listeners with? Like the people, the reason why we have these like crazy, like not crazy, the reason why we have this like TikTok Instagram trend of like cycle syncing of people taking this tiny bit of information and turning it into a whole lifestyle. Like what people want, people know that their cycles are affecting them and they want some kind of answers. And sometimes even when you track, like Kelly says, like, like if you feel no effect, is that because you feel no effect or you right. just, did you just not notice? Like, yeah, I mean, it's hard to answer that. I mean, I think that tracking is worthwhile. Like, you know, from tracking, I sort of learned that there were certain days that I had a harder time sort of managing my body heat, my thermal regulation. And I, and I did manage that. I just managed it with hydration skills strategies, right? Like that's a super simple thing that made a really big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think in defense of some of those simplistic TikTok strategies and hear me out here. Um, <laughs> if if you are, if you are someone who doesn't do any periodization at all in your, in your training, which a lot of people don't just doing that cycle syncing will all will overlay some sort of structure to your training that will probably have a benefit for you no matter what, mm-hmm. because when you add structure to training that has no structure, there is often a benefit. All of a sudden people are going harder than maybe they would. They're giving themselves rests than they otherwise wouldn't. I mean, I'm just, I, 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 I think that there can be a knockoff benefit for a lot of people who otherwise are just doing the same thing day in and day out. I mean, this goes down to, this is like one of the big things I keep struggling with is like, who's your audience? Because like a lot, a lot of people, right? Like in general, try harder, do more is usually good advice for like 90% of the world. Right. But then if you're talking to a specific elite athlete audience, like chill out, take more rest is like really like the best. Right. So it's like, who are you talking to here is always sort of the right question yeah. with like that kind of TikTok, if we're going to call it TikTok advice. So. <laughs> I think getting to know yourself though, is always a good thing. Even if you, even if it doesn't bear fruit, okay, then you tried it. But like, I think I think it's always worthwhile to track some of that stuff. Yeah. I also think it's super interesting that by almost complete fluke, the way that we traditionally periodize endurance training of like three weeks on one mm. week off is actually fits with like a 28 day cycle, which is kind of funny. The average. <laughs> yeah. It so it's like, well, you know, if you tracked and we're like, well, maybe my easier week will be this week. That's harder for me, whether that's right before leading up to your period or during, depending on who you are, like that could that could make a bit of a difference and not really change too much how you're training. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. <laughs> I, do. I think that's a great idea. 
solved. I, 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 I just like, I'm like, wow, that is, I hadn't put together that three on uh, one off parallel before. That's really interesting. And to the thing that um, Kelly was mentioning earlier, just like I, wa- I was on a podcast about female um, athletic training, triathlon podcast with Miranda Carfrey, who happens to be like a three-time world champion. And they randomly asked us, like it happens to be, <laughs> yeah, just happened to her, you know. Um, and then who then they asked us like what we would, if there's anything we would change if we had sort of tracked our cycles and done that as part. Of, and we both had the same answer. Like we hadn't talked about that ahead of time, which was super interesting, which was, as Kelly said, like to push a little bit. Like we, we both did our training blocks the same way. Like the training blocks were like three or four days and then kind of an easier day. And so she was like, yeah, I would have pushed a little bit more when I felt good, especially during the follicular phase, knowing that your hormones are on board. You're like, okay, maybe I can do that fourth day of hard training or even a fifth day. And then allowing the recovery more in the, sh- in the kind of shitty days right before. Yeah, uh, why not? And, right? Yeah. And then like, if you think about that over time, which doesn't seem like that big a deal, but like over the course of a career, like for me, that was like 15 years. Right. right? Yeah, like totally. I 100% would have been a better athlete, you know? Yeah. Um, That's cool. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. Prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule. How much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com, and use the code FEISTY, F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive, and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose. Building muscle can be tough and gains can be so slow, even for those of us who do a lot of strength training. As an ex-endurance athlete who is now in perimenopause, I know this all too well. It can be frustrating to put in the time in the gym and not see the results I'm looking for. That's why it's super important to take the right supplements at the right time. One of those supplements is essential amino acids, which are needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Muscle protein synthesis happens when you eat high quality protein like eggs or whey. And by supplementing with additional essential amino acids, you can make sure you are getting the full benefit of your training sessions. Targeted essential amino acid formulas can be up to four times more effective than just eating protein. I've been taking amino acids for almost a year, and in combination with eating quality protein and a couple other supplements, I have managed to turn the tides on age-related muscle loss, which starts at 30 for women, by the way, and I have continued to make strength gains as I head towards 50. AminoCo has been a longtime sponsor of Feisty Media and has supported 
all of our brands and podcasts over the years. I recommend starting with AminoCo Perform, and you can grab some at aminoco.com forward slash performance. If you enter the code performance, you will save 30% and receive a free gift if it is your first purchase. Give it a try and let me know how it goes. That's aminoco.com forward slash performance and use the code performance to save 30%. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are so excited to be working with Hedas. Hedas designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedas unlocks the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research, creates better shoes for women that support their longevity and performance, and establishes new design standards to promote transparency in a male biased industry. Hedas have a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and to allow for female toe shape, a special kind of plate in the midsole to keep tired legs going, a narrow heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take the pressure off our Achilles, and a rounded instep to create a snug fit. Hedas has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've personally been running in the Alma Cruise and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedas at Hedas.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedas.com and it will all be in the show notes. Um, okay. And then another, another thing this kept coming up again, again, and again at the conference was like this gap sort of between like the research that's being done and then sort of the translation and like the dissemination to the coaches and then like, just like the communication piece. Yeah. Um, did you, did you two note that? Yeah. Oh my God, over things, over. yeah that was like to, to what Celine's saying about like, they're standing there, they're saying 60% of athletes feel this, but then we don't know the research yet. I think one of the things that we all found was like super frustrating was there's this like hesitancy from an academic side. And this isn't just true in this topic, right? It's true in academics everywhere to, to say, we know something if we don't like, they're like, well, we haven't done enough studies. We only have 437 studies. <laughs> and you're like, really? Okay. <laughs> right? just like, like, oh my God. Right. So there's like that happening on the one end. And then on the other end, there's things that we like absolutely a hundred percent know, like for example, you know, the connection between not eating enough and losing your period and bone and like injuries. Right. And yet the sit and that that information has been known for decades, right? Like why are we still arguing? And yet coaches don't know, right. They literally like, don't know it. They're like, what? Mm -hmm. And so how this is like insane to me is like, we both like are obsessing over these, oh, we don't know enough yet. And then the things we really do know, I mean, like for example, concussions, right? Like I'm going through, I've been we like know that light exercise is good. And yet I literally have watched friends in the last couple of weeks been told strict rest. Don't do anything totally. like that's insane. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's, it was kind of maddening. And, and I'll say again, the derisiveness that they talked about Instagram and TikTok was just like, I'm like, maybe you should freaking be on Instagram and TikTok disseminating your information. Cause that's what people are like, maybe just send an email to them. Like, like, what are you thinking? <laughs> If they're not gonna, it's just yeah it doesn't have to be a massive strategy i love that just send an email to them but like yeah i did the the, the negative talk around social media was very common like it was a very common thread through and it could, did kind of shock me because you do have a number of people doing really good work with like science getting science-backed information out via social media including like hit plate on pause spicy menopause the other things that we're doing in women's performance like that's including us, but also like Alyssa Olnick was there and she made that comment. She's like, oh, they turn their nose up at me because of the social media or because sometimes I have to put out something that's a little bit clickbaity at the front of a post that's actually like a carousel post with like tons of information from recent studies about a topic. Right. And she's just doing an amazing job or um, period of the period, Kelly McNulty, like these people are really 
bring and and the social media audience like whether it's tiktok those are instagram examples but whether it's tiktok or instagram like the audience is smart right like they know like they understand the when they're seeing <laughs> I was like, that's like, I don't know. I mean, I followed that whole controversy this week about like RFK Jr. like being anti-vaccine and we should debate him. And so I'm like, I don't know, like, let's not over say okay, the some of them are smart. smart. Yeah. Like yeah. Some, some people are smart and understand when they're getting good information and not good information. Right. I I think so. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very skeptical these days. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> You're like, nobody's smart. Forget yeah. it. I give up on them. Yeah. <laughs> I I also thought it was interesting. The were you two in the session with the um? I, was he an Irish rugby coach? Yeah, who had done that study, and he's like, oh, this the biggest percentage of where coaches get their information from was podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and then it was like, and then on the other hand, you have like, but how do we get this information? Out, the, right? Yeah, right, the researchers right. scratching their heads, like, how do we disseminate the information? Well, hmm, I have an idea. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I mean, but that's the that's the whole academic thing again. You know, I mean, you see that I, I was saying before we started recording, like the North American Menopause Society has the exact same problem, just mm. really poor communication uh, because it's that there's just such a chasm between how academics think and communicate and how like everybody else you know gets the information. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of the like the information coming out of the studies is often nuanced. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what I think that's what confuses people is like, well, how do we get this nuanced information out to the world? But actually, it's a skill, which with <laughs> both of you sitting, like sitting here looking at both of you, like you both have absolutely have that skill of like reading a study, pulling out the three main threads and turning mm-hmm. it into like a, a something written or something that, that's readable and digestible right like we can do this 100 percent. yes it's, it is you can do it as a lifelong runner and triathlete turned crossfitter i am stoked to announce that the athletic eyewear brand tofosi optics has joined us as a partner here at feisty media Tifosi sports glasses hit all the marks for athletes. They're shatterproof poly bicarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance, which I 100% need. They stay in place when you are moving. The hydrophilic rubber nose pads actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they are secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in hot conditions. No matter what sport you do, Tofosi has shades for you. Whether you love tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, or just hanging out on the beach. They are super reasonably priced, which I love, so I can have multiple pairs that go with any outfit. And of course, feisty listeners get a special discount. So head on over to tofosioptics.com and use the code FM20. FM as in Feisty Media to get 20% off your order. That's FM20 at tofosioptics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, Shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. And I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% mulberry silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. 
Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match. And then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. Um, okay, another another one of the themes was around like the general treatment of women in sport. Mm-hmm. Like we heard from we heard Mary Kane's experience in the keynote. We had the panel on safe sport. Like that that I really came away with wow. Like these issues are rampant. The idea that safe sport gets a hundred and fifty complaints a day. Calls, yeah. uh, was it a day or a week? I think it was a day. Week. I think it was, a week. I think it was a week. Yeah. It's Still. either way. It's a that's a huge, huge number. Like this is a huge problem. The other thing was like they get 150 a week, and they only have say over Olympic Paralympics. So like some huge number they were saying like they just can't do anything about, which is like kind of depressing. Because mm-hmm. I I think we all kind of think and oh, those are people sport, who are willing yeah. to go through that process, right? Right. <laughs> and so you think like oh, safe sport like they're going to fix like, that's what they're there for. But it's, I mean, they're, they're just simply don't have the, uh, what's the word? Not oversight. Purview. Yeah. 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 And they said, they said as much. And it, it, that is so troubling because you have these enormous, terrible cases come out like the Larry Nassers and all of these things. Mm-hmm. And, and then it just keeps happening, you know, and you're like, it, what is, what is changing? Is anything changing? How do we get this to change? Yeah. I mean, that was like, you just, I, I think that you just finally have all these women ringing the bell. I mean, yeah, I like all the running books from the Nike, you know, like the Lauren Fleischman and like all those books that came out and Mary Kane telling her story. And mm-hmm. um, I think you have, and obviously like, this isn't a hundred percent, but there's also a shift, like a generational shift happening too. Cause I, I mean, I read all of the running books and there were some things and they're like five years, 10 years older than me or whatever. And there were some things where I was like, that sounds five or 10 years older, right? Like I was like, that mm-hmm. doesn't sound. And you th- talk to like the younger, and I think that comes down to on the soccer, when they were talking about soccer and NWSL, this came up and then he talked some about abuse. Um, there was a scarcity mindset, especially around women's sports. We're like, well, if you complain, we're going to lose this. So shut right. up. Because right. we only get so many chances, especially at the elite and pro level, right? Like we are going to lose this league. We're going to lose this funding. We're going to like, so shut up because otherwise, like we fought so hard to get here. And that is going, starting to go away because there's the scarcity mindset is starting to go away because it's starting to be like, no, these sports are here. We was not, it's not a, they weren't given to us. We they're right. We deserve them. And so then, then you start to lose some of the, like, well, I will put up with all of this shit because. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. a great point. That's an actually excellent point. Yeah, and I think everything is well because we know women's sports is at an inflection point. Inflection point. Okay, side point though. On that note, so this is a joke. Sarah and I say to each other all the time is like, "Oh, I hear, I hear, women's sports are at an inflection point." <laughs> and later that I went over the conference one day, and somebody, a friend, called me, triathlon guy from Europe, and I said, "Oh, well, you know, because women's sports are at an inflection point." And he went, "Oh, are they?" And I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> right? Oh yeah. He- People outside, the, I mean, I'm always shocked by the tr- the trolls still. I mean, I'm like, oh, what what world? Like, there are people who live in a whole other world who, like, just come out and the only thing they have to say is, like, women's sports are boring. <laughs> like, even, I'm saying, like, even the well-meaning, like, he literally just, like, did it. He was like, oh, are we, is that, like, ha- is that, like, a big thing right now? Is that really happening? And you're like, yeah, actually, yeah, it is. Depends what part of the internet you subscribe to. Right. right. Oh, but I loved, I loved the war. There was a woman again. I can't, I can't remember like which panel was, which it wasn't yeah. the safe sport panel, but it was another panel where she said, and this is kind of a, it's I'm like, thank you for saying this, you know, that I think some of the solutions to some of those problems around the power dynamic between mostly male coaches and mm-hmm. female athletes or male like healthcare providers for female athletes is that like, if, if women start to have 
at more control over the money and what's being spent. Right. Um, yeah. This this investment into women's pro teams that we're starting to see these kinds of things, and then also more women in leadership is also like part of like it's not because like all male leaders are bad and all female leaders are good, but because like that's what part of what's going to shift that scenario, right? Yeah. One thing made me laugh on that topic. So they did this big, big study where they were like, we asked, actually asked athletes what we should study. And um, and the researchers were all like shocked by the answers, right? They were like, this is so weird. They want to know about performance. I'm kidding, but that was basically what happened. <laughs> no, it was that whole list. Yeah, and they yeah, were like, any head scratchers? And we're like, nope. Nope. But they were like, and it's one woman, but one of the people got up and was like, well, I just find it really weird that like, I mean, when you ask, uh, we did a survey of like female rugby players or whatever. And they said the biggest obstacle was like money and resources, but that's not on the list. And I was just laughing. I was like, Cause you don't need to study it. Just give them more. There's <laughs> nothing to study here. Like, Right. Right. It's not a problem. Yeah. Or it's not an issue. Um, and then Mary Kane, mm-hmm. let's not forget that just before we leave that topic, like her keynote, it was really interesting because I did expect her keynote to be about her story as told sort of by the New York times and yeah. in her book, but instead she went a different direction. Yeah. yeah she, she, um, well, so I was going to say, so at triathlete, we did this big story with her when she started doing triathlon. Cause she was like, had left pro running, written the whole New York times thing. And then was coming over to triathlon and, um, we were going to do more stuff with her. And then she had like disappeared. And I, I like forgot. So I went up. So anyway, the answer to why she disappeared came out in this speech um, because it turned. So she basically gave a speech about why she hasn't pro run professionally in seven years. Uh, and it turned out she had Celine's going to get the name right. Compartment syndrome. Mm-hmm. Her leg was going numb when she like under exertion and it got like worse and worse and worse. And, but the part of the speech that was like, for anyone who's gone under gone through like our healthcare system that was maddening was that it took her seven years and a lot of doctors being like well maybe it's just in your head or like well are you sure this is really a problem or the whole thing where like they say we're gonna follow up and do these tests and then like it comes back normal and no one ever contacts you again and nothing ever happens and you're like hey so what's the next step that's that that's been happening to me a lot lately and and so i think that part was like that was kind of her story because she was telling this to a room of medical professionals to kind of be like hey guys let's fix this. Like mm-hmm. if it wasn't me, like the person, cause she had a, a DVT that was causing this, like the person would probably just die and no one would have ever solved it. That's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, she, and she's got a giant lawsuit as she alluded <laughs> to a couple of times, you know, in, in the process. Yeah. I thought that was, I, I, you know, the, the really interesting part of that for me was when she was talking about the pain part Mm. I thought was uh, super Mm. relevant and 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 something that we should all take note of is that you know when she did go to the doctors they would put up those charts that we've all seen that you know rating your pain scale and they've got like a smiley face and then a face that's crying and it's one to ten and she's like I'm not really feeling pain You know, so her mom's like, you should lie and say it's a nine. And she's like, but I don't really feel a nine. But she said, if they ask me how this makes me feel without the pain, it would have been a 10. Right. Right. You know, so that, I thought that was. That she's was right. Really it is true. Doctors like super obsess over. Well, if, it's, if you're not in pain, then. Hmm, right. See, like, you I was, know, like, I mean, I've been telling a lot, of, a lot of people notes, right? Like I've had these ongoing concussion symptoms for months and they're like, oh, well, how bad are your headaches? And you're like, it's not like a headache. Like I just like, I get, I am so tired. I like can't get off the couch for three days and like, it doesn't make any sense. And, and they're like, well, some fatigue is normal. And you're like, what? Like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That's where you feel like you're maybe being told that you're just lazy. You know what I mean? Like, like, what's the subtext there? You know how you have to like give a, for your, and I've met, I mean, it's Mary Kane, right? But you have to give a frame of reference. You're like, look, I finished a race one time with a broken toe and I won. Like, if I'm (laughs) telling you this is bad, like, very disruptive. I had, um, I had surgery one time on my wrist and I had crush in a bike crash. And so I had like it cut open two plates, seven pins. Right. And as I was coming out, you know, they like try to like, they were like measuring how much, how many pain meds you need. Right. And so the nurse would come in and say, Oh, what's your pain? Same thing. It was like the pain skeleton. I was thinking about this when Mary Kane was presenting. Cause like, what's your pain? And I was like, Oh, you know, two or three. Right. They're asking next thing, you know, my leg is convulsing. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's so like, so they decided, like, you know, right. because of my own pain scale was like completely different to some right. other patients pain scale. And so like my two or three meant I needed more meds. 
but like in retrospect, I'm like, I probably like kudos to Mary Kane for not wanting to lie. But, you know, if I went right, through that right. again, I'd probably be like, it's a seven. Yeah, right, <laughs> you know? right. Just so that I didn't like go and like my, literally my legs started convulsing. I was in so much pain. Like, and my friend who's a nurse had to like rush over to the hospital and like, <laughs> I'd like to, she told them off. And was like, got there needs to be some kind of like, I know like the scale was created. I know like if you read on like this whole, like the invention of the scale of pain, it's actually like part of what led to the opioid crisis. Anyway, like I know it was an invention, but there needs to be some kind of like frame of reference for like, this is a really <laughs> big problem. Totally. It's like, again, it depends on what Menopause audience you're talking symptoms to. The same way. Yeah. I talk about that all the time. Like, you know, and they, they it's so, everything is so narrowly defined. It should really just be like, tell us how disruptive this is to your life. You know, mm-hmm. it's a nine. Like that's it again depends. This yeah. goes back to like what audience are you talking to, right? Because I spent a lot of time in emergency rooms uh during Steve's whole like undiagnosed bl- brain bleed. And like a huge number of people are in the emergency room. Literally, I watched lots of people come to the emergency room and be like, I don't know. I mean, I woke up and I was like not hungry and my stomach kind of hurt. So I came in. And you're like, what the fuck? It's so like <laughs> when you talk to like the general population, yeah. they're like, well, like he had an uh like a tooth infection, but it was gonna be a couple weeks to get an appointment. So we just came in and you're like, I'm sorry, like this is so like when you talk to the general population, there is like this huge number of people who are like not actually having problems that are like right. but they don't have doctors or any access to care. Right. That's well, a whole there's other well. Issue. I'm t- I was like, I'm about to be like, mom, I'm looking at you. Like there are people who are like, oh, this is terrible, but it's not actually terrible. And they just need to like deal with it. Right. But then when you're talking like a specific population, there needs like, it's like, no, if like, like when I, I was telling a friend, like I texted something, I was like, I think, I think I might need to go to the hospital, which definitely means I should like already be in surgery. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> so there like needs to be like some kind of yeah thing. Yeah. yeah. Some calibration. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. An understatement. <laughs> um, okay, I read as an LEA Kelly. You mentioned earlier your that was like a topic that came up. I think some of the information about red S, how much female athletes actually need to eat, mm-hmm. the fact that the outcomes that happen when we don't eat enough, um, and that information is. I feel like it's finally coming into like the minds of the athletes and the coaches, and we now know about it. But it's been a really long time, right? Yeah, I mean, we've known about it for how long? Celine yeah. better like. Four decades, five decades, a long time. Yeah, I mean, but it, yeah. like even Red S, which is now Reds. Reds. Can oh, right. No more hyphen. That's a, <laughs> That was an important distinction. Um, you know, that the original when they when because the female athlete triad, how long has that been around? Like, right. Like that's sort of how we thought about it for a mm-hmm. long time. You know, the bone health, the losing your menstrual cycle, the endocrine disruptions. Um and then that in 2014, I think that statement came out, the original red S at the time statement where they're like, no, it can happen in men too. And it's actually a product of low energy availability. It affects all of these systems. And it became, you know, a clearer picture. But then there was still mud, I think. And we've dealt mm-hmm. with this even in Feisty. Like, what's the difference between LEA and red S? You know, people would just right. be like not really understanding. And what does that actually mean? And I thought that like the new... um the whole new program that's going to come out that they were outlining the the new position statement was clearer. They're adding some more distinctions. They're making it very clear that low energy availability leads to you know the symptomology of red S reds. And I thought all oh, that was really important. And I think that that is like people you're seeing it almost monthly, if not more more frequently, that somebody is saying, I this affected me profoundly, you know, professional athletes, whether it's cyclists or whatever, that woman from EF just had come out with her story saying, like it is, it can be a career wrecker, right? And mm-hmm. I, you know, and and this and that trickles down to again how we treat athletes. Like, do we really need to do five point body composition caliper scans on it? Oh my God, high school collegiate athletes, even like anybody, honestly. Like it's unless you're up there doing bodybuilding for professional but even then you can see you can see that whether or not they have fat over their muscles like right I I think that all needs to just like a whole sea change in how we think about performance and weight and we're starting to see that happening yeah I think think go ahead Kelly I was gonna say I think a big part of how we think about performance and weight is disconnecting weight from like a moral judgment right because if you can just treat it as like this is a factor in performance and at times it would be more beneficial to be lighter weight and at times it would not be. And these are the things you should like, then it's not like, oh, you're lazy 
Cause that's a lot of the old school, like coaching methods, like, oh, you you're fat, you're lazy. Why aren't you losing weight? And if you could just like, which obviously is a larger societal thing around like weight and moral judgments. If you just, if we were able to just disconnect it, then it would just be like, Hey, these are my paces. This is my heart rate. This is my weight. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I also think like just to drill down like further is like disconnecting or having body composition be appropriately judged right, in terms right. of athletic performance and and some of the like interesting one of the interest it was on the last day I was by the by this point I was like finding it hard to stay awake I think right. you had both left by yes. then but <laughs> there was there was a woman who presented a study uh, and it sh- it was showing that like s- some of the I, I'm so sorry I forget which sports I think it was a cross-section of sports that some of the athletes with the lowest body fat percentages actually were the ones like over time who ended up not surprisingly sick, injured, yeah, and yeah. did not have long-term careers. Whereas the ones who were more I like the saw maximum, that. Yeah. right. So yeah. maybe I'm remembering it completely wrong, which <laughs> yeah. day it was yeah. like, you weren't there. Oh, you were there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, but, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think right. we need to get that to the right, because I think we learned that we learned about, especially in endurance sport or other sports where like that, where like body fat percentage and body composition, which is such a major focus undoing that learning. I think that's, what's kind of stopping us from. It's all these male European traditional, like based in nothing models, right? Like the, the like cycling. I, I mean, I come from a cycling background and everything is so grounded in that, that, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and then we have this information about like LEA and female athletes and how like actually we start to lose our body functions before we start yeah. to lose weight sometimes. Right. right. And like, then we're like, well, why have performance coaches- is tanking? Right. Yeah. Like why haven't the coaches updated their files? Well, actually it's like so deeply rooted. I just need to like, uh, like dig out all those roots and be like, this is not like a healthy, like a healthy person. You need to have a healthy person to perform. Yeah. That was okay. Takeaway. Yeah, that's our take. That's our take. Wait, no, you're not getting away with that. Still, <laughs> still think, so yeah, before we go, like, what would we like? What do we want to leave? What kinds of things do we want to leave our our audience with? Um, we were trying to go with positive takeaways before we got in air, and all of us like sat here for forty five <laughs> seconds straight. And we're like, hmm, hmm. Um, I will say so. The last, like, I did. We both, Celine and I, both left early uh, on Friday. <laughs> because we were all like falling asleep in things um those were long days of like days. a lot of densely packed like academic information you know like from 7 45 a.m well I didn't make it to, at 7 you never made it on time no by, but, like, but eight till five and coming right? from the west coast it was like brutal um <laughs> but the last thing I was really sat through was about women's soccer and kind of it was like just a bunch of the people who work in the NWSL and the med director and 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 then I kind of uh, started so I obsess about the women's world cup like every four years and so then I started going down this whole hole about the women's world cup coming out of that and I've been reporting on it a bunch out here in the Bay because we have a new team. And so I'm actually getting like all super pumped about women's soccer. But one of the things that I found really, really interesting, and maybe this is, so there's a ton, a ton of the big stars in soccer in uh, the summer out because they are ACL tears and ACL tears are like super, super, super common in women. And that's another thing we've known for like three decades and we still don't have an answer, which that's not my depressing note. I'm going to end on a positive note. But we do actually have, we know this protocol that reduces ACL tears by 70%. Like we literally know it's like a series of warm-up exercises and neuromuscular training and like, but people don't do it, right? So we know this. And so there's this idea now that if it, now that women's sports are at an inflection point, in case you haven't heard, and if everyone's watching this World's Cup this year and they're like, all these big stars are out, maybe this is a translation gap moment where we can use the media and be like, hey guys, there's actually a thing you can do and finally like get this information out there. So my head just about <laughs> exploded during that. I <laughs> wrote that's Holly Silver's work. I wrote about that in Roar, the PEP yeah. prevention of the ACL. And at the time, like she took like a hundred percent improvement rates in some places like Pepperdine that did it. Like they went down to like zero and to hear them mention her name and be like, Oh yeah, there's that, but nobody's doing it. I was like, Oh my god! I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you actually kidding me? And I, I had, I called her when we updated. You know, Roar is coming out with an update. Roar came out in 2016. I included it in Roar, so I, you know, I contacted her. I'm like, hey, anything new? She's like, no, they're still ignoring it. Essentially, but you know what? The 127 year old up there who like worked for uh, the Women's Soccer League now 
was like, look, I don't want to be depressing, but you could use this right now to finally get this out. And I was like, see the young kids, the kids, they got it figured out. Use yep. the TikTok. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, use the TikTok. You could do the PEP and TikTok and everybody would be doing it. That's so true. It's it's funny because it's true. Right. <laughs> you I know. know. <laughs> yeah, totally. Celine, did you have like one thing you wanted to I, leave everyone with? Yeah, I did. I think that like, you know, for so long, because we are other as, as female athletes and have always been considered sort of other in this male built you know, construct of sport that we are looked at like, oh, you know, you're built funny and you're fragile and, you know, you're like, you're inconsistent and like, and your ovaries are going to fall out. (laughs) Right. So if there's anything like to, to take home, it's just like, don't buy that. Don't buy that you're fragile. Don't buy that there's something inherently wrong with you or broken about you because you're a female. And, you know, as I was explaining to Sarah and and Kelly, before we go on, like if men have balls, right? Like <laughs> balls are the most fragile things in the world. Like you <laughs> flick them with your finger and the guys doubled over and they have to like, that's fragile. Our ovaries are tucked in. They're very resilient. No uterus ever exploded from jumping. Like, <laughs> but, but balls are a big thing. They like, they're swinging in the breeze. They're very vulnerable. If we had balls, yeah. like anyway so we would have no hope if we had balls oh my god they can't develop a cup they wouldn't be like well just put a cup over them and carry on right they'd just be like they'd be like they can't do it right those balls those balls (laughs) they just hang out they're just out there (laughs) just waiting to get hit with something Wait, your 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 thing that we're leaving the audience with is that good thing we don't have balls. Yes, that, yes. So, yeah. <laughs> this is our take home. <laughs> no, it's just it's like the lens that you look through right. is how right one perceives whether something is fragile or not or something yeah. is yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was kind of my, you know, just back to where we started with the menstrual cycle stuff. Like that was sort of my takeaway was that we're finally actually asking the right questions, Mm. which I think about the menstrual cycle and its impact on performance, which I think is like a much bigger deal than people recognize because it seems so normal now the last couple of years to ask like, how does my, how are my hormones affecting when I exercise or should I eat differently, whatever. But like, actually this is a very new question. And like we mentioned at the, you know, at the beginning, like a lot of the previous questions from science were how does exercise affect um, our hormone cycles or how does like, so the focus there is on like us as like reproductive creature, right? Like we don't want to exercise too much and stop ourselves from being able to have babies. Whereas like now we're actually like, okay, how do we perform? How do we perform at sports? How do we perform in life? How do we be healthiest? And how do we like, and what, and the relationship with that to the And those things don't have to be mutually exclusive. Right. Totally. Totally. And so it just feels like the line of questioning is like finally in the right direction, which to me, just like massive doors opening everywhere. Yeah. That was my take home from the the whole thing, honestly. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Well, I had so much fun at the conference with both of you. Um, Thank you. Dancing on a boat. That was fun. Dancing (laughs) on the boat was very fun. Celine dragged me onto the dance floor earlier that I it's more sober than I would have liked, but I was grateful <laughs> for it. I I cannot not dance. Anyone who knows me knows that. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you, folks. This has been fun. Um, and have a great week, everyone.